to A Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and it's March 7th, 2019, as I record this. This is episode number five, and for today's topic, I'm going to continue our discussion from last week about charm. If you listened to that episode, you know that I talked a little about what charm is and what it does, and I received some feedback from a few listeners who wanted me to go a little more in-depth on the topic, to provide some practical examples of what being a charming person looks like in real life. So this episode actually has two purposes. One is to talk a little more about charm and to give those practical examples, And the other is to introduce a new feature that I'm thinking of doing regularly on the podcast. I'm calling it the Sparkling Vintage Literary Snippet, where I share brief passages from favorite books. This week's literary snippet will be a portion of Arlene Francis's 1960 book, That Certain Something, subtitled The Magic of Charm, since it perfectly addresses our topic and the questions that came up during the week. Let me know with a comment at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast under episode five. Let me know if this literary snippet is something you would like to hear more of. It wouldn't be every week, but maybe once a month or so. Um, but before I get into the episode, here's a brief update on my own writing life. There's nothing much that's new to report this week, except that Songbird and Other Stories is finally available in paperback as well as ebook. So look for it on Amazon or Kobo or wherever you like to buy books online. I'm also hard at work on an as yet untitled novel set in 1930s Hollywood. So I'll keep you posted when I have more to share on that. And now on to the episode. This literary snippet is from a chapter titled 20 Shortcuts to Charm from Arlene Francis's book That Certain Something, published in 1960. Arlene Francis was an American actress who is best remembered probably for her long-standing role on a television program called What's My Line? It ran from the 50s to the 70s, um, and even later than that, I think, in syndication. She started her career in radio in 1938, hosting game shows and also appearing in the early soap opera Betty and Bob. While she later did host some talk shows and even appeared in a few Hollywood movies, Arlene Francis is best remembered as one of the earliest female pioneers of television. Newsweek magazine called her the first lady of television, long before Oprah or even Barbara Walters entered the airwaves. She was married twice. Her second husband was Peter Gable. He often appeared with her on What's My Line, and audiences came to really appreciate their banter back and forth, and they had one son. Arlene Francis died in 2001 at the age of 93. So now... Here's 20 Shortcuts to Charm by Arlene Francis. There's a story about an immigrant who arrived in this country determined to make something of himself. He was penniless, but he got a modest job and set about learning everything he possibly could about electricity. 
Budgeting his pastrami, he finally saved enough money to buy the largest and best book he could find on the subject. Electricity, not pastrami. It took him two years to master the difficult scientific language. He finally reached the last page, and when he arrived at the last sentence, it read, What then do we know about electricity? Charm is a little like that, although I'm not as pessimistic about the chances of improving your charm if you're willing to persevere. But I will say that this chapter heading is a little misleading. There are no real shortcuts to charm because it is a reflection of the entire personality. It humanizes it and broadens every field of action. Getting the most out of your charm is to allow the breeze of self-confidence and freedom to sweep through the whole being. However, some things are so fundamental that they will give you a good boost while you work on the overall job. Let's take a look. Number one, get up happy. Every day by some quirk of nature happens to be a new one. If you wreck it at the start, you've already set yourself back and may never recover. I'm not saying that you should lurch out of bed singing, Oh, what a beautiful morning. But I do say that a bright attack on the day will give you the head start you need to carry it through. I also realize that there is nothing more abrasive in the morning than a disgustingly cheerful person who imposes his goodwill on everyone without being asked. But muffled, quiet good cheer will never harm anyone and will do you worlds of good. Number two, get organized. Lack of organization for the day can make more people liverish than anything I know. It's not a bad idea to plan your day the night before, and then you can sleep on the problems coming up and often subconsciously come up with an answer. A great many of us try to plan too much for the day, and as a result we get completely frustrated when we do not finish what we start out to do. It is better to realistically complete a small number of things than to nibble away at a large number of uncompleted jobs. For instance, if your housework has gotten ahead of you and you make a desperate decision to catch up on the job in a single day, you're likely to find yourself thoroughly snowed under. Better to take one room at a time or even one small section of one room and gradually catch up than to have a half-baked romance with Mr. Clean. Number three, make sure you're well-groomed. There is really no excuse to go around half or quarter groomed. You owe it to yourself to be scrubbed, polished, and tidy before you go out, or even if you're not going out. The psychological value of this can't be overestimated. No one can be serene and confident, feeling scratchy and ill-clad. Your whole attack on the day is improved by the feeling of well-being that good grooming brings to you. It is much more than a surface thing, much deeper than fashion. It's not a question of lace on your bloomers or bows on your bonnet. It's a question of being well-tailored, well-buffed, and well-turned. Number four, face the day without fear. 
All of us have small, nagging fears when we get ready to start the day. Most of them are groundless and the result of anxiety patterns we've let ourselves get into over the years. These fears can do nothing for us and most certainly work against us. Whether your fears are justified or not, you owe it to yourself to take a deep breath and say, to hell with them. As long as you are doing the best you can, you have nothing to fear. Number five, forget past recriminations. Many of us have vague and ill-defined shadows from the past which rumble through our minds during the day. There are things we meant to do, things we feel we ought to do. All that these emotional distractions can do for us is to set us back from the job at hand and spoil our present accomplishments. They take a disastrous amount of voltage away from the energy you're applying to the present moment, and there's nothing constructive accomplished. Face this fact, and later set aside a time exclusively for examining these guilt feelings. Then set up a program to get rid of those obligations which you can correct, and forget the rest. If you are riding in a taxi that gets in a traffic jam, a train that breaks down, or an airplane that is late taking off, there's no point in working yourself into an ulcerous state. What you personally can't help or avoid, you may as well be stoical about. Number six, do one thing special for someone else as a surprise. This takes special effort, but the rewards are fantastic if you can bring yourself to do this on a regular basis. Pick out one friend or a member of your family and examine any ideas you can think of which would make him happy. What special little thing has your husband always wanted that you've never gotten around to doing for him? Any dish he has liked which has been a little too much trouble to put together in the past? Has your best friend been unable to get away from her children for a while? Could you take care of them and give her some much-needed leisure for a change? They don't need to be big things, but they can be thoughtful things that will make someone else just a little happier. In doing this, you'll be a lot happier. Number seven, be a Sunday specialist in just one subject. Too many of us fail to enjoy the broadening powers of a single, narrow interest in which we can become an expert. It doesn't matter whether it's gardening, sewing, cooking, collecting Civil War books, buttons, or bottle tops. A hobby or interesting topic requiring your disciplined concentration gets you out of yourself and into a world of activity that will add an extra dimension to your whole outlook. Number eight, break down your work into small bits. While this is tied in with getting your day and your week organized, it is an extension of that idea. No matter how brilliant we are, it is impossible for us to do more than one thing at a time. Committing yourself to a single aspect of a job avoids the feeling of overwhelming helplessness that sometimes arises when you think about the large scope of the task facing you. If you have 15 letters to answer, think only about the one at hand. Put the others out of your mind until you reach the next one. Number nine, do one thing a day to make your home more pleasant. 
Your home is the most important part of your life. Unless it is charming and creative, it remains nothing more than a shelter. A gracious atmosphere in your home makes you feel radiant and happy. A dull one pushes you into depression. Plan to do one small thing a day so that your improvement never stops. A new lamp for the bedroom. A touch of paint on the bathroom cabinets. An experimental recipe for dinner. A few new flowers for your garden or your table. The reward of doing this will snowball in direct proportion to the thought you put into it. Number 10. Wipe out one prejudice a day. All of us have prejudices that are not only uncharming, but often self-destructive. Analyze those you have been carrying around and make a conscious effort to get rid of them. They'll never do you any good and they'll surely drag you down. Number 11. Force yourself to do one thing you've been embarrassed to do in the past. We often have to press ourselves to overcome shyness and embarrassment, and one way to do this is to plan a campaign against them. Perhaps you've been meaning to call on a new neighbor, but you've felt just a little shy about it. Do it in spite of yourself. Things that seem hard to do often dissolve when you do them. Don't let imaginary barriers fence you in. Number 12. Read something worthwhile for at least 15 minutes a day. If you've been in the habit of glancing at the daily newspaper and letting your reading quotient go at that, it's time to do something about it. Pick out one worthwhile book and try it on for size. Stay with it for at least 15 minutes a day, and gradually you'll neglect the clock absorbed in other worlds. Books are the best companions you can have. They are never obtrusive, and they never bother you when you don't want them to. And the good ones enrich each shining hour. Number 13. Think about someone you dislike and wish him well even if it kills you. Our own pettiness and hatreds detract from charm much more seriously than we're inclined to think. When I get letters that tell me I make the reviewers sick and why don't I drop dead, I envision the mean, tight little mind and soul that would prompt such an unpleasant attack and know what a miserable life such a person must lead. To constantly slander those whom you dislike is to eat away at your own spirit. Inner harmony has for its outward expression grace and felicity. And while that may sound a little like Pollyanna at a picnic, it's a darn sight easier to live with than hatred. Number 14. Practice looking at a person directly in the eye and concentrate wholly on what he is saying. This is one of the most important attributes of charm, and often the most disregarded. Very few of us are good listeners. Many times our attention, and with it our eyes, wander all over the place when someone is talking to us. We diminish our effectiveness if we dissipate our attention. Number 15. Spend five minutes analyzing your guilts and fears and check them for reality. Most of our guilts and fears are totally unjustified. They are just a hangover from the distant past. Examine them in the light of reason and clear out all those which are simply attic collector items from our childhood. 
Human happiness can exist only when groundless terrors are removed, since guilt and fear are two of the heaviest offenders holding us back from becoming free and spontaneous individuals. It is important that this area be clarified in the most rational manner possible. Number 16. Clean up one job that you've been putting off doing for a long time. All of us have nagging little chores that we've allowed to pile up and are almost afraid to face. These can have a corrosive effect on us unconsciously from day to day. Don't plan to do them all at once. Instead, tackle one a day and you'll be surprised how quickly the pile disappears. Number 17. Have faith in a power beyond yourself. Whether you are conventionally religious or not, you must have some kind of faith in a power beyond yourself, or you will find yourself overwhelmed by all the anxieties concurrent with disbelief. Change the things you can change and make the best of those you can't. To do this fully, you must be able to release yourself to a higher power, whatever you believe in. Number 18. Resolve to hold your temper completely for just one day only. For one complete day, make a full resolve that regardless of circumstances, you will hold your temper in check. You may find this so rewarding that you'll want to extend it for another day, and another, and another. That's up to you. But give it the old school try just once, and then proceed accordingly. Number 19. Practice laughing at your own mistakes. Do this whether you're alone or with others. Try not to defend your mistakes to others. Admit them graciously and apologize for them if the situation demands it. Laugh at them if you can, and you won't have to be afraid of others laughing at you. They'll be laughing with you. And number 20 on our 20 shortcuts to charm. As we said before, this is most important. Practice forgetting yourself completely. The problem is that you can't really forget yourself by thinking about forgetting yourself, because the minute you do that, you're remembering. The trick is absorption, total absorption in something outside yourself. It's the only way. It's a must. Begin doing this now. <laughs> so that was 20 Shortcuts to Charm by Arlene Francis from her book That Certain Something. How do you think her tips have held up over the last almost 60 years? Which ones do you think are still valid today? Which ones are best left in 1960? I'd love to know what you think. Just leave me a comment in the show notes at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast under episode 5. And I'll be back in a moment with this week's grace note. This week's Grace Note is a novel called Diary of a Provincial Lady by E. M. Delafield, one of my absolute favorites when I'm looking for a light and funny read. First published in 1930, Diary of a Provincial Lady is set in England and is the fictional journal of a middle-class wife and mother with literary aspirations. Nina King of Newsday writes, The territory is much like Jane Austen's. 
the narrow hierarchical society of an English country town dominated in 1930, as it was in Austin's day, by the local noble family. It also has something in common with Irma Bombeck's self-mocking chronicles of housewifely humiliation, but its understated humor is unmistakably English. King calls it a small gem of social satire. So look for Diary of a Provincial Lady by E. M. Delafield at your local library or book retailer. It will be worth your while if you like that sort of fiction. Also, just a reminder that I'm giving away three copies of my own books, You're the Cream in My Coffee, Ain't Misbehaving, and Songbird and Other Stories. All you have to do is leave a review of this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Then drop me a line telling me you did so at Jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at JenniferLamontLeo.com, and you'll be entered in the drawing. That's it. I'll put all the relevant links in the show notes at sparklingvintagelife.com slash podcast. Look for episode five. And that's it for today. Have a lovely week. Stay warm and tune in again next Thursday when I'll be back with another topic on a sparkling vintage life. Bye.